Time now to take a look at Moderna. Moderna reports its earnings tomorrow morning. And for a preview, let's welcome in Hartaj Singh, Managing Director at Oppenheimer, to take a look at Moderna, which has been beaten down, down about 46% this year. And I know focusing on COVID, focusing on flu and shingles. Um, but what's your outlook here when it comes to a name like Moderna, which certainly is not the leader at this point? Yeah, Nicole, first of all, thank you for having me on. Uh, always a pleasure. Um, you know, look, uh, Moderna is, we, we point out gently, um, you know, still almost 600% up uh, before COVID-19. The broader biotech sector now is actually trading below, um, you know, uh, before COVID-19 happened. So below the levels of about February 2020, it's almost like for biotech, COVID-19 never happened. Uh, and all of the innovation that went into it, uh, you know, as far as Wall Street is concerned. But Moderna is still doing pretty good in that regards. Now, yes, it has been painful in the last, you know, eight months. Um, and I think there's a couple of reasons for that. Um, you know, one is, uh, which I think is well known, is the real question is, you know, how much will after the peak this year or maybe next year of COVID-19 vaccine revenues, how much will those start falling off before they get what's called a tail revenue, right? And then the second part is, um, and, you know, this is a company, the second part being commercialization of their vaccines, right? So this is a company that never commercialized a product prior to this, uh, which is fine, you know, uh, but Pfizer really kind of took them to the woodshed commercially. Uh, I think Moderna has about 30% of market share, even though you could argue their vaccine is slightly better. Uh, so it's almost like a grizzled veteran, you know, schooling a rookie player, you know, on the playground. Um, commercially, at least that's what happened with, with Pfizer. And I think those two things have led to, you know, uh, the sell-off, um, uh, which I believe is, you know, probably coming, um, you know, close to an end. Close to an end. That's interesting, because at 136, I don't know if you have a target price or where you think it may be headed. But as you noted in your notes, saying that it is second to Pfizer when it comes and BioNTech for the vaccine for COVID. But the pipeline is important as well. When you do um, a comparison of Moderna versus the other names in the group, is Moderna stand out in some way? Nicole, you're absolutely, you know, um, you know, right on there. I mean, look, if Moderna can over the next few months claw back some market share from Pfizer, number one, um, you know, which I think they should be able to because they're getting, you know, they're, they're now situated in more countries and, uh, and executing, which they've always been good at. Uh, and then secondly, their pipeline, which I think starts really reading out in the second half of this year, there should be some information in the first half of this year but really starts gathering pace in the second half of this year and into 2023, you've got a really good setup. Uh, you know, in biotech, more than other sectors, when a company shoots to the upside, it overshoots. Um, and then when it, you know, if it shoots to the downside, it tends to, you know, overshoot to the downside again. The answer for Moderna is somewhere in between. Um, you know, we think uh, levels between 200 and 300 are always fair. It's just that within the broader biotech sector right now, it's really difficult to get constructive, um, you know, most any names because um, just the, the, the sentiment around biotech is so negative right now. We just have to be a little bit patient. Oh, so you're not really um, positive or hot on names in, in addition to when you talk about uh, Moderna here, but you're not really touting any of these names at this point, whether it's uh, Novavax or J&J &J or Regeneron or Pfizer, for that matter, Merck. Um, when you think of the world of biotech, you just don't really see this as a good investment at this time, just because there's just not as much upside potential. 
You know, Nicole, I think the the it's more of a potentially a technical or trading issue. You know, it's like, you know, that we see very little retail activity into the in the sector. We see very little generalist activity in the sector. It's mostly being supported by the specialists, which have been about you know fifty percent of flows over the last few years. Um, the IPO and secondary market has been huge, so that's taken some dry powder off the, you know, off the desk in terms of the secondary market, right? Uh, the, the actual trading markets uh, of secondary issues. So when you combine all of that, you know, biotech is actually acting pretty rationally right now. Uh, we do think, though, you know, um, our tagline for our healthcare conference in mid-March is this is the time to do some more to do the work uh, to really see very innovative healthcare companies and get some companies on the cheap in the next few months because the sector will stabilize, uh, and then we believe you know move to the upside in the second half of this year. Yeah, and as we talk about the group overall, um, when we compare it to you know, the drug makers of the years past, right? And names like Pfizer and Merck, which have just been, when we don't look at biotech necessarily, um, is there something on your mind there? Is there anything that you're waiting for, the catalyst that would say, hey, I'm going to look to buy this one when? I think for the near term, and I mean the near term, the next three to six months, we really focus on, yeah. on names that have risk execution focus. So companies like Vertex, VRTX, companies like United Therapeutics, you know, good quarters, beat on sales and earnings, a low risk pipeline. You know, they all have that, you know, pretty much both of them. I think for the broader biopharma area, one thing it's really important, Nicole, is just for Washington, D.C. to kind of make up its mind on drug pricing, you know, either pass it or just put it to the side once and for all. Um, you know, that creates an overhang for generalists, especially who don't, who come, you know, when they look at me, they say, well, I don't really know what your revenues are going to look like for your sector five years from now, because if drug pricing goes through, you know, I got to bring those revenues down. If it doesn't go through, then I got to do right. some other thinking. That is one. And then I think the private sector markets, you know, um, we might need to see, you know, some some reevaluation of val you know valuations there on the private side, uh, because there might be a disconnect between the private and the public side right now in biotech, which is, you know, creating some tension. Um, you know, um, the amount of cash that's available for trading on the public side. And without the pricing, it's hard to know about dividends and buybacks and what to expect there. Um, give me just a quick, you know, five seconds on that. Um, look, it's very simple. You know, if you don't have a very good idea on what your outer year revenues are going to look like, you know, price times volume, if pricing is uncertain, then it's difficult to plug yeah. in models. For journalists, okay. that's a portion. Yeah. yeah, so no clear picture on that. Hartaj Singh, thank you. Of Oppenheimer, wonderful to see you. A nice preview of Moderna. Thank you.